Good evening, Los Angeles, and welcome back to the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher, and just wanted to say good evening or good morning to those of you listening live. We are coming at you live from the studio in Glendale, KKLA Studios, and I am here tonight with my good friends, uh, regular attenders here on the Apologetics.com radio show, uh, Dennis the Menace, over to my left. Good morning. How you doing, man? Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for being here. And Daniel, the beard, how you doing? Hello. Great. We, we are live on Facebook. If you want to jump on there, you can see us in studio. Uh, you can see the back of Daniel's head, looking good. And Mr. Dennis, handsome man over there. And we are kind of continuing a conversation that we started a, a last time I was hosting the show, which is every once a month, the second Friday I'm in here. We have uh, Jonathan Noyes. He's here the first week of the month. And uh, Leslie Wickman, week three. And Harry Edwards, the founder of this amazing ministry. He's usually here on week four. Um, Apologetics.com exists to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. This particular week is sponsored by Branch of Hope Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Torrance, California. That is the church that I am a deacon at, and Mr. Daniel is a deacon at, and Mr. Dennis is a member in good standing for now. Well, yeah. <laughs> for the moment. Well said. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we love to come on here and just talk about uh, current events, the Bible, theology, and anything that might be on your mind. We exist, really, uh, for the listeners. We are not... Um, full-time apologists by any means. We all have other vocations and uh, ministries that we participate in. I'm a full-time engineer. I love to work with robots and <laughs> done some spacecraft and some underwater stuff and just love to work with my hands and uh, design stuff. And to think about God and talk about God and uh, share the gospel with people. Um, even when I'm getting a ticket from a police officer. Let's, uh, <laughs> I love we'll, you so we'll much. touch on that. <laughs> yeah. I got to share the gospel with a police officer on Wednesday. He was giving me a ticket, uh, because I had my cell phone in my hand. I was talking to my wife and broke the law and got what I deserved. <laughs> um, but last show, I want to throw out our number, you guys. Uh, please call us. This has been a crazy, uh, year not 2021 but say 2020 oh, and 2021 is kind of just like picking up you know right where 2020 left off so this is this is good um but yeah you know we just want to encourage you guys it has been a crazy year if you want to call if things are on your mind tonight about the recent events uh and you just want to chat with us get our thoughts or we'll get your thoughts uh, please call us it's triple eight 995 KKLA 888-995-5552 and we have lines open and we'd love to hear from you. We're going to be talking about presuppositional apologetics, presuppositional methodology and a little subtopic of that is what we call the myth of neutrality, right? If you missed last show where I was talking about this with Dr. Eddie Anorga, we kind of arrived at this primary presupposition, which is stated, unless you presuppose 
the triune God of Scripture, you can't make sense of reality. You can't make sense of anything. Uh, you can't make sense of logic. You can't make sense of reason. You can't make sense of science or knowledge or morality or really anything else for that matter. You're essentially reduced to what we call absurdity, right? If you deny the triune God of Scripture, ultimately your belief system, your worldview will lead to absurdity. And Greg Bonson um, coined a phrase. I don't know if he coined it or Van Til or whoever, but it's called Pushing the Antithesis. Pushing the Antithesis. It's a great book um, put together by American Vision. And Pushing the Antithesis is this idea that whenever you're talking to an unbeliever, you want to constantly be going to the root of their worldview and showing them how they can't make sense of reality, showing them that they're, they're using borrowed capital, right? They're, they're actually relying on God and the Bible in order to argue against God and the Bible. Um, and rather than this apologetic methodology where you're trying to just argue about fact after fact after fact, maybe it's like uh, evolution or maybe it's um, the resurrection or, you know, the historicity of the Bible, the Dead Sea Scrolls. You're trying to you try to come up with all of these different, you know, studies and things and you have to read all these different books. Um, the presuppositional method really is based on the Word of God on Scripture. So the more you are familiar with the Word of God, the better equipped you're going to be to push the antithesis, to show people... Uh, how their worldview, apart from God, can't make sense of anything. And we'll try to get into some of that uh, tonight and unpack it for you guys. But uh, we do have a caller on the line that I'm going to hop hmm. over to. Um, looks like we have Terry, who wants to talk about problems of the world, which uh, oh, there well. are many. So we welcome this uh, discussion. Terry, you are live with Apologetics.com. How are you tonight? Terry, you there? Hello, Terry. Yeah, I'm hey. here. Hey, hey. Welcome. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Good evening. Can morning. You... Hey, what's on yeah, your mind? Well, um, all this stuff that's happened with President, White House, and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, angry, depressing, mm. <laughs> all those things. Any encouragement? <laughs> mm. Don't we all? Any Any encouragement, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been reminding myself that no matter who's president, Jesus is king. Yeah. Um, I think that the ultimate political maxim, the, the the idea that you want to keep coming back to is that the Lord reigns, the Lord reigneth. So we just need to draw nearer unto God. I mean, it's a grievous thing. We have, uh, wherever you are, whatever you're thinking, I don't think anyone's enjoying this polarization, this uh, division. Um so we, we obviously need unity in the truth, which means biblical unity, and we need to humble ourselves. We need to repent uh, nationally, individually, as families, as churches. So I hope this drives us to our knees. It certainly is doing mm -hmm. that for me. Yeah. yeah. Dennis, do you want to add anything, just some words of encouragement about what's been unfolding? Yeah, I think— um, I think a lot of us are in that same state of mind, and I just had to remind—I uh, had to remind my wife at 10 o'clock at night, you know, that while it might, things might seem dire right now, that 
you know, in the midst of her looking at uh, properties out of state and uh, what guns might be available on mm-hmm. sale, it really, these are, those concerns may or may not be valid, but the most important thing I had to remind is like, our, our hope are, is not in these things. Our hope are not, is not in the president. Uh, this is, we, we're, we're Christians. Our, our hope is ultimately in God, and the, the, we're not the Church of Trump. Right, we're not mm. the church of conservatism. Mm-hmm. Um, we are children of God, and we still have what I think. I think a lot of us are forgetting this too. If you're a member of a good church, you are not without community. You might not have media on your side. You might not have popularity at the moment on your side, um, but you have a community and and a body that we. I think Daniel's right. This is a, an excellent opportunity for us to become um, more involved in the church bodies that we belong to and become more familiar with them, familial. And um, yeah, I, I, all I can say is I, sh- I, sh- I share your concerns, but let's not lose sight of what we have hope in. And, and, I'm, and as I'm saying this to you, I, I'm, I'm preaching it to myself as well. Yeah, we're the household of faith, and when things are rough, it's not it's not only that we lean on Christ and we trust not in our understandings, but it's also that we 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 draw together as a family, right? This the household is family language. God is our adoptive father, so you know Jesus is our elder brother. We have the Spirit as our comforter and inward teacher. So I would encourage you with Psalm 146, verses 3 through 5, which is, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And then it continues, talking about the creation and all the power that the Lord has. So Psalm 146 has really been, the Lord has been ministering to me with that. And uh, it's just it's essential. It's essential that we be in good churches, and that we lean on each other, and that the church draw together in this time. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to have a Costco membership and know where the toilet paper aisle is, just for good measure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <so laughs> That's great. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll just add Terry to to what they've already said. Um, I mean, yeah, it's been pretty heavy, you know, this past week. I think these past couple months, really, just to see uh, the amount of corruption that is in our own uh, government and them turning a blind eye to a lot of illegal activities. And, you know, you see what happened at Wednesday at the Capitol, and almost immediately you have people, leaders, you know, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden immediately coming on the air and basically condemning these rioters, which they rightly should, when the entire 2020 year 
when the whole nation was on fire, when business owners were getting dragged out of their businesses and beaten by rioters and protesters, and you had the same representatives and leaders completely turning a blind eye and not saying a word about it. If they think the American people are that foolish and that ignorant and that dense that they can't see the hypocrisy of their actions, um, they must just – they must be living in a world of make-believe, you know. <laughs> and I think most of, you know, the people out there see their hypocrisy. And all I can say is, um, you know, it it will self-destruct. You know, he, he – Evil only lasts for so long, I think, before um, God will turn it around. People will realize that uh, it doesn't work and, you know, God will use this for his glory. He'll use it to refine his church, his people. He'll, he'll use it. He's already used all of 2020, I think, to strengthen uh, believers in what does the Bible have to say about government? You know, what does the Bible have to say about liberty? You know, what does the Bible have to say about all of these sort of things? How are we supposed to engage about church? About church, yeah. How is how important is church? How right? important is it? And yeah. I think his people are digging into his word and they're coming together and you know they're only being strengthened and refined and. You know, God appoints the times and places that all of us dwell, right? We live in this time, in this state for a reason because Acts 17 tells us that God has appointed these things. And it wasn't your grandparents or my grandparents that God wanted living in this time frame. It was us, right? So we And we are equipped and God has equipped us um, for this time and for this season. And uh, we need to be... Uh, just living for his glory. We need to be speaking forward his truth and his word. That's what we're going to be talking about on the show tonight. There is no neutrality, right? This, there, I think we've given up a lot. Like Christians have, for the past decades, acted as if, you know, you could be neutral about God in the public square. You know, you could be neutral about morality and you know the bible in the public square but i think what we're learning is we can't because this is where this is where it leads you know um so take you know don't don't be discouraged you know um just know that god is working all things together for the good of his people um and even god's judgments are good if this is a time of judgment for the nation um, even his judgments are good, right? Um, and he will bring his people through it, right? Um, yeah, for, for his God's anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but mm, joy yeah. cometh in the morning. Mm. And Let's, don't let this amen, be your right. only phone call. Yeah, please. Um, reach out reach out to those that you know. Or, or you might suspect feeling the same way you do. This is an, this is an excellent opportunity for us to share each other's burdens and, um, yeah, share, uh, to be com- to commune. Be there for each other. Yeah. I just happened to turn it on and not say it before. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Exactly what I needed to hear. Well, great. Yeah. 
Yes, and we're going to pray for you. We can pray for you right now if you'd like. Okay. Yeah, let's go ahead and pray for her, and then we'll keep moving on. Daniel, go ahead, man. Lord, we thank you for Terry. We thank you that you've uh, directed her to the show and that she called in. We'd love to hear from all of our callers, all of our listeners, and we thank you that you are so good to your people that we can uh, mourn with those who mourn and grieve with those who grieve, but also that we rejoice with those who rejoice. So we pray that you would give her peace that passeth all understanding, that you'd give her the joy and peace of Christ, the only true peace, and that that would be true of everyone else who's feeling this way. And for us who, you know, have these moments of crisis, we know that you have orchestrated these crises, crises to not only glorify yourself, but also for the good of your people. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake, along with pardon for each and every one of our sins. We love you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Terry, thanks so much for calling, and please call us next Friday or whenever. God bless you, too. Good night. All right. One of our better calls. Appreciate that call, yeah. No, I mean, I love, it's always a pleasure talking to her. Yeah. I, I would love it if more people called and asked for encouragement. I mean, that's that teaches me. <laughs> yeah, if you guys want to call in, uh, the number is 888-995-KKLA. That's 995-5552. Um, so back to presuppositional apologetics, the myth of neutrality. Um, basically, so... The idea of presuppositional apologetics is that everyone comes to the world and views the world around them through a set of glasses, right? Everyone's got a, a, a certain lens. A certain lens that they're looking through. Um, a simple example, a fun little story that kind of illustrates this is uh, a story of a man who believed that he was dead. And he went to a psychiatrist and he's like, I believe I'm dead. You know, can you help me? to with this problem and he said well hmm, what can we do uh what do what is it that dead men don't do uh and they thought about it and they came up with this idea that well dead men don't bleed right if i could show you that you bleed uh then we could prove that you're not dead because dead men don't bleed and so they stuck a needle in his arm out flowed some blood you know the psychiatrist you know said look you know you're not dead after all. And he said, wow, this is amazing. I guess dead men do bleed, <laughs> right? And the idea is he had a pre – his presupposition interpreted the facts according to that framework, that lens that he was already looking through. Yeah. What if we had cut off his finger though? <laughs> you know, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like why didn't they do that? Just yeah. – Probably weren't you Italian know. mafiosi. There's that. Exactly. Mafiosi. They weren't Dennis the Menace. Good point. Are you a psychiatrist? Well, I you like to keep... Be. Yeah, it's on the deal. <laughs> <laughs> Not accepting That's these clients. Right. The idea is that all facts are interpreted through our lenses, right? And we want to show people that their presuppositions are false. So uh, a simple analogy behind this is the presuppositional, this tran or transcendental argument is that we seek to expose those things which must necessarily be true about the world in order to make sense of reality or to make sense of, say, whatever you're doing, right? Um, if someone is driving along in a gas-powered car – Not right? a Tesla. Not a Tesla. And they're arguing that gasoline doesn't exist. They are 
you know, they're arguing against the very thing that is necessary for them to be doing what they're doing, namely driving in a gas-powered car. You know, we are broadcasting from a radio studio. There's radio waves going through the sky coming to you. Now, if you were to try to argue that radio waves don't exist while you're listening to the radio, it's a self-refuting position. You're essentially denying the very thing that makes what you are doing possible. And since God is the necessary precondition of logic, reason, morality, meaning, science, etc., to deny God while at the same time using logic and reason is to argue absurdly. It's to, it's to, it, it's to deny gasoline when you're driving a gas-powered Yeah, you're sawing car. the branch off that you're sitting on. Exactly. Um, Van, Cornelius Van Til has a good analogy um, of a little girl who climbs up onto her father's lap in order to slap him in the face, <laughs> right? She couldn't even slap her dad in the face were it not for him holding her up, right? Uh. And unbelievers who toot their own independence and autonomy are only able to do so because they are supported by God himself. Um, when Jesus was before Pilate, he said, uh, Pilate said, do you refuse to speak to me? John 19, uh, verses 10 and 11. Jesus said, don't you realize I have power either to free you? Or he said to Jesus, don't you realize I have power to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, <laughs> the one who handed me over is guilty of a greater sin. And that's, that's the reality, right? Um, we live and move and have our being in God, right? He is the very um, essence. He is, he is the necessary precondition of our existence. Right, and part of the presuppositional methodology is to expose that, and to expose that um, when you when you abandon that, uh, you can't make sense of anything. Um, well said. Another good example: Vodi Bakum. Um, should you be neutral in arguing for God's existence in in the public square? Right. Many Christians attempt to argue for God's existence by saying something like, "I will set aside my belief in God." Um, so that I can prove to you that he exists, right? And they think it'll be stronger that way. If you can do it without the Bible, it's somehow a stronger argument, right, which is completely absurd and tragic. Um, but it's analogous to someone saying, you know, someone in a sword fight in the Middle Ages, right, saying, well, um, I'm, I'm going to fight you with my sword, and the enemy says, well, I don't believe in swords, right? So, so what do you do? You set down your sword, and you start to argue with him, about the science of metallurgy, right, and about the existence of swords, right? Um, that would be absurd, right? And so is setting the Bible aside for the sake of engaging someone in con conversation. Um, you know, the moment you surrender the Bible, you basically have waved the white flag of surrender, right? And now you're relying on human wisdom rather than the power of God because the Bible tells us that it is the word of God which is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing down to the joint and marrow and into the souls and hearts of men, right? You don't want to abandon that very weapon that God speaks about in Ephesians 6, the armor that he has given us in order to fight this battle. That's, it's, not a, it's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's a battle against you know, powers and principalities and so on and so forth. Um, so Dennis had a good question. Yeah, so... 
Are we essentially arguing that the only way to combat in argumentation as Christians is to only quote Scripture? Mm-hmm. Is that is that what we're saying? Right. What do you think, Daniel? Well, like with people get tired of this, but it's yes and no. There's a sense mm-hmm. in which it's true, but only in the ultimate sense. So what I mean by this is what Scripture has to do for whatever you're doing, and this should be the rule of our speech and our conduct as well when we're not arguing. It should verify, it should authenticate, it should it should substantiate, it should be the basis for what we're saying. So we should be speaking scriptural words, even if it's not a quotation, even if it's not verbatim. So in that sense, yeah, it's got to be scripture. But that doesn't mean we don't talk about creation or whatever it may be, philosophy, logic, science, a lot of those things that were enumerated earlier in terms of necessary preconditions, they're not actually described with those words in the Bible. Right. Right. We appeal to things that are true because Scripture tells us that they are true. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. people don't like that all truth is God's truth, but God is truth. So, of course, he speaks truth. His word is truth. Mm-hmm. Truth truth always comes back to God. So if you're talking about something true and truly, then it is biblical, right? It is related to God in that sense. It's related to his word. Hmm. But, yeah, his word should always be as I said, verifying, authenticating, substantiating, all these ratifying, confirming. Mm-hmm. It should be, everything should be subordinate to Scripture. Amen. Yeah, um, I, would, I would just second what Daniel said, that uh, whenever we argue with someone, we don't always have to be squ- quoting a verse, but we do have to be uh, using biblical truth as the basis for our arguments. So we do have some music coming up. Uh, just wanted to say thanks for tuning in. We are coming up on the, the break of our show here, and we're talking about presuppositional apologetics and the myth of neutrality, and we will be right back after these short messages. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Everyone has ideas about God. Unfortunately, many people hold false ideas about him. And these ideas have consequences. Some false ideas have led people to worship a God of their own making, while others have led people to reject God altogether. This year, we've devoted an entire conference to answering the most common false ideas about God. Is God anti-gay? Is God good? Do Muslims and Christians worship the same God? These are just a few of the topics we'll be addressing. The only way to guard against false ideas is to fill our minds with true ideas. So join me and a number of other speakers at one of this year's Rethink Apologetic Student Conferences. Find out more information about Rethink by going to RethinkApologetics.com. That's RethinkApologetics.com. We're at war. It's not a war of bombs and bayonets. It's not a war against flesh and blood. In fact, it's not a physical war at all. It's a spiritual war. That's why Paul instructs us to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil's primary scheme is deception. He wants us to believe false ideas about God. And the only way to guard against false ideas is to fill our minds with true ideas. Simply put, we combat deception with truth. It's unfathomable to imagine sending young men and women off to fight a physical war without proper training. Yet, When it comes to spiritual warfare, we do this all the time. The vast majority of our students are simply not prepared for the spiritual battle that awaits them. 
At this year's Rethink Apologetic student conferences, we're training students to counter the lies of the enemy. Lies like God does not exist, God is anti-gay, Muslims and Christians worship the same God are just a few of the false ideas we'll be addressing. So join me and a number of other speakers at one of this year's Rethink Apologetic student conferences. Find out more information about Rethink by going to RethinkApologetics.com. That's RethinkApologetics.com. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. Welcome back, everybody, to the second half of the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher. I'm in studio tonight with Dennis the Menace Hello. and Daniel the Beard. Well, thanks for being How here, How did I guys. get the beard? Because you got the best beard in town, man. Oh, thank you. You should turn around and show the Facebook, Facebook well, crew. Yeah. It's going to uh, be gone We are live on Facebook. If you guys have questions and you'd like to uh, submit them through there, we will try to check that and uh, answer them. We are talking tonight about presuppositional apologetics and the myth of neutrality. And we had a good caller in the first half, just kind of wanted to get some encouragement in regards to the way things have unfolded uh, in 2021 thus far. Relating. Yep, picking up right where 2020 <laughs> left off. And <laughs> right. we, Ground, uh, Groundhog year. You know, if, you, if any of you want to call in and just talk about things that are going on, uh, please feel free. You can reach us at triple eight ninety nine five KKLA. That's triple eight ninety nine five 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 two. Or if you have questions about theology, the Bible, apologetics, you name it, the topic, um, please call. We'd love to hear from you. We would also appreciate it if you'd like to support the ministry of apologetics.com. We are a listener supported ministry. We rely on the generosity of our supporters. We need your cash. Yes. You can go to our website and donate, apologetics.com. That would be a huge blessing for us. And, um, you know, just if the Lord leads you in that direction, uh, we thank you and praise the Lord. Um, and so I wanted to unpack the myth of neutrality, right? So what is the myth of neutrality, gentlemen? I thought that was your job to tell What is us, this myth? Let's understood how that it. was going <laughs> to. I think uh, the best way to sort of sum it up is this idea that you can have a common ground that you, uh, as a believer and an unbeliever, are standing on together, which allows you both to enter into the apologetic encounter or the evangelistic encounter, or both, uh, neutrally, right? You can neutrally talk about this subject. And, of course, this is absurd on its face. 
Mm-hmm. The reason why it's absurd on its face is because you like know, that beard. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus himself says, "He that is not with me is against me." That right. doesn't sound very neutral, right? Uh, and we're not to have any fellowship with darkness. Light mm. hath no fellowship with darkness. That's command. That's imperative. Sure. So you know, the, you have to choose God or Belial. Choose God or Baal. Baal. <laughs> you cannot, you know, you cannot serve two masters. You serve one and hate the other. None of these things sound right. very neutral. But what I always hasten to add is the unbeliever is made in the image of God. So there is some way that you're engaging. They're a rational soul and a body like you. So there is some commonality in that sense. So we don't want to be too absolutistic in our way of describing this. Right. Like we're we're too... looking for common ground. Yeah, yeah. And what? It, so I say there's no common ground, but we're looking for common ground. What we mean is... You're trying to have a conversation, right. and if the per- if if you just go, well, I'm like a completely different being from you, then that doesn't necessarily lend itself to discussion. Mm. I'm here, and you're just absolutely over here, completely somewhere right. else. So there is this this thing where you're trying to communicate lovingly and charitably. Mm-hmm. You're trying to you know bridge that gap in a sense, but only the Spirit of God can do that. The Spirit of God has to make this dead sinner alive, as he graciously did for each and all, every one of us who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that gap is, and I would argue that at times it seems that gap is widening. We speak the same language, we perhaps share the same address in, in terms of, you know, geography, our same country, but other than that, yeah, it feels mm-hmm. all more than ever, they're, they're, those are about the only things we have left in common at times, mm-hmm. and finding that Finding that uh, common ground is, is harder, and um, having to abandon our presuppositions in order to get into the same arena with, you know, a, a non-believer that that's mm-hmm. a, that, that can be that can be foolish. Right. You know? oh, absolutely. It Wait. is foolish. It is foolish. It yeah. is foolish. And pushing the antithesis can sound a certain way, but. What's more loving than trying to give the truth to someone? Yeah. What's more—these are words of life, right? These are Christ's own words. Mm -hmm. This is what we're trying—we're trying to get the good news of the gospel to this person's soul. Absolutely. So it's not loving to leave them perishing in folly and darkness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's our goal, right, to get to the gospel and to help people. God, he doesn't just want to renew renew people's people's hearts, but also their minds, right? He wants to— restore their thinking to a right way of thinking, right, about about the world and uh, even reasoning. Um, you know, in this book, Pushing the Antithesis, some the way they put this myth of neutrality is that uh, these quote-unquote neutral apologists will, will basically say, I'll set aside my belief in God so that I can prove to you that he, he exists, right? Um, They'll say, I believe that there are good, independent, unbiased reasons that can lead you to the conclusion that God exists. Unfortunately, uh, this neutral approach is neither biblical nor effective. Christians must be committed to biblically warranted procedures for defending the faith. The biblical defense is not only different from the attempted neutrality approach, but it is the exact opposite. Right? So that's a pretty big difference, right? You can it says Christians must not set aside their faith commitment, even temporarily, 
in an attempt to the, approach the believer on neutral ground, the unbeliever on neutral ground. Um, unbelievers might say things like, uh, how can you assume that which you're supposed to prove, namely God or the Bible? Um, they could say, since we have conflicting viewpoints as to whether or not God exists, both of us must approach the matter from a position of neutrality. Right? And the point is, there is no real place of neutrality. Um, Van Til says this, throughout his career, Cornelius Van Til labored to teach this point, that there simply is no presupposition-free and neutral way to approach reasoning, especially reasoning about the fundamental and philosophically momentous issues of God's existence and revelation. To formulate proofs for God that assume otherwise is not only foolish and futile from a philosophical perspective, but also unfaithful to the Lord. Reasoning is a God-given gift to man, but it does not grant to him any independent authority. Hmm. Right? Yeah, when Adam fell, uh, every part of him fell. We all we've, were completely fallen in the sense of every part of us, right? We have parts, God doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're fallen, God isn't. So, you know, the idea of neutrality is... Uh, at its core, if it's really this idea of we're going to set God aside, that's actually blasphemous. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, this is devilish. This is, right. you can be as gods, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can be as mm-hmm. God. I want to go over to a quick caller here. Uh, mm. Someone named Bob on the phone, and it just says, ask, asking yeah. for information. Hey, Bob, you're on the air with Apologetics.com. How are you? I'm well, thank you. You guys for sharing the good news. Um, I had a scripture I wanted to. Uh, I heard him say, "Apply scripture to what you do." And Amen. I couldn't think dress, but it's the one that say, "I think how sweet are the feet of those who, and the fragrance of those who carry the, the good news." And yeah, uh, I called. I called because I, I had wanted to know if you could share any information on Nancy Pelosi's move to. It restructured the family by removing the name father, mother, son, daughter, mm. and son, and uh, those titles uh, uh, in the family, but also the move to uh, in the church, if we say amen, uh, she wants now to say amen and a woman. <laughs> we laugh because we were talking about that earlier. We were just yeah, referencing and that. This is a perfect example that. There is no, no neutrality, neutrality. <laughs> right? This idea to force Congress to use gender-neutral language, you know, is not a neutral position, right? Uh, God created man, male and female, right? Male and female, he created them according to his image. Um, we We don't have the authority to redefine you know, what God has declared and created. Yeah, so it's an attack on God, which is the most important, and it's an attack on man, on humanity, right? These distinctions, these are loving gifts from God, This, this, these differences. So we cannot attack these without peril to ourselves. This is civilization-ending stuff if this is the direction we go down. And it's an attack on the family structure as well. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I... I would be in a, a lot worse straits than I am, humanly speaking, uh, if I did not have a father and a mother, mm-hmm. a brother. I don't have a sister, but 
Yeah. And I think it's important to, to realize that these are spiritual battles, and it's no surprise that they go back to the very foundation of humanity and Scripture, right? It's in the very first chapters of Genesis where God declares male and female, and then he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. What does that mean? To have children, to have sons and daughters, a mother and a father, have sons and daughters, create a family, and go into the world and take dominion, right? Go cultivate, go create, go make things beautiful, right? Go bless, be a blessing like to the people around you. Do all these things. And it, if Satan's going to go to one place and attack it, it's going to be those foundational things that God created from the beginning, right? You know, and you see this in the biggest battles that we fight culturally, right? The battle for the unborn, right? That's a, another direct attack right there in the garden. Be fruitful and multiply. Have offspring, right? Um, and so Christians need to realize that we, these aren't neutral things. To, to, set up, to, to get up there in front of the nation and propose that you can't use male and female type language is a direct assault, yeah. And at some point, Christians need to stand up and just be like, sorry, like I am going to follow God, just like Paul or the apostles did in you know the book of Acts, right? Whether or not you think it's right for me to use gender terms, you decide. But as for me, I'm just going to declare what God has already created. You know what I mean? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right. We talked about the household right. of faith. It's full of families. It's full of male-female distinctions. Right. So it's an attack on the church. It's an attack on the nation. As I said, most importantly, it's an attack on God. So it's a great question. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Have a good night, you. Bob. God bless, man. There it is. I mean, the myth of neutrality, it's everywhere. Yeah. You don't have to look far. You know. Uh, yeah, if you take a stand for the biblical family— how are you in a neutral relationship to those who are attacking the mm -hmm. biblical family? You're, you're just not, mm -hmm. right? They're still made in the image of God. <laughs> right. But there's not a lot of commonality between those two positions. Actually, there's none. There is none. I think one of the most obvious places where neutrality is assumed but it's clearly not neutral is the public education system. Mm -hmm. Right. There used to be prayer in schools. There used to be Ten Commandments in schools. And they take those things out and peep under the appearance of, no, we're moving towards neutrality. We're now in some neutral position when in reality, what's Christianity, the, the religion that this nation was founded with, you know, major, in a majority, um, is being replaced with atheistic humanism. Right. And public education, the schools, is the main place of discipleship for this new religion. And it's being funded by your tax dollars. <laughs> right. But they won't call it a religion because obviously there's supposed to be a separation of church and state. Right. So they, they assume or try to cast it as a neutral thing. But, I mean, just one example. Neil deGrasse Tyson in his Cosmos series they play these videos in public schools, and, I mean, they are teaching 
origins right here. This is what he says in his Cosmos series. It says, Our ancestors worshipped the sun. They were far from foolish. It makes good sense to revere the sun and stars because we are their children. The silicon in the rocks, the oxygen in the air, the carbon in our DNA, the iron in our skyscrapers, the silver in our jewelry were all made in stars billions of years ago. Our planet, our society, and we ourselves are stardust. Are you sure that's not Taylor Swift? <laughs> yeah. What I mean, song was that? He is pseudo-preaching there, right? That is false, absolutely. false, false oh. preaching. Oh, yeah. absolutely. He is uh, He's a priest. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He's, he's the new priest. <laughs> that's the right. new priest cast, the new priest class, yes. And uh, what public education is is pseudo-messianic statist indoctrination. So it's a false messiah that they b- beat into your brain because they're a messianic state, right? They mm-hmm. think they're trying – they're literally antichrist in this sense. They're trying to replace Christ as deliverer right. and judge and ruler. Mm-hmm. And so another area where we have this – extreme, it's far in far too many churches, too, in this country, in the West even, is the idea that the state is neutral. Well, of course. I mean, come on. Haven't you been living in a neutral state environment? Hasn't the government been so, oh, so neutral, neutral with past, you? Yeah. this past year? No, I mean, it's preposterous. It's, it's absurd. And it's absurd. So as sort of the educational propaganda wing, the, of course, the public education system is not, is not neutral either. But you're rigging the argument, you know, these people are all riggers. They're they're rigging the argument in their favor. If I can get you to agree to my presuppositions, I have mm-hmm. the advantage. And yet, mm. what we should all presuppose, what we're all duty bound, what we're commanded to presuppose, is reality, is truth, is God, mm-hmm. not anything else. Right. But I'm not religious. <laughs> Yes, well, that's just a bad definition of religion, right? Mm-hmm. I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. Well, the devil is spiritual, and he's also very religious. Yeah. So re- we get religio, right? We think that that has to do with, I think it's ligare, to bind. So anything that mm-hmm. you, you know, you're bound to, anything that you, you, your will is attached to, right, where you will toward something, can be said in a very uh, basic sense to be a religious commitment. Mm-hmm. You have this commitment to this conviction, to this belief, well, that's not the language of logic and reason. That's the language of faith. I believe this. I faith this. Yeah. And so it's important, I believe, that Christians be able to see these things and understand that these are not neutral positions, right? This um, statement about the cosmos, right, that we're all stardust and we should worship the stars. I mean, they're directly replacing the creator right and they're they're replacing biblical truth you know about adam and eve in the garden they're saying no your great great grandpa is a star yeah right made in the image Um, of stars instead of made in the image of god yeah that's another direct attack when you're made in and so you lose everything when you when you're made in the image of god you have inherent dignity you have inherent value you have inherent worth right when you're when you're a star stars are exploding all over the universe right now and we don't care who cares about a star exploding somewhere and if we're just stardust why should we care if one bag of stardust gets blown up yeah like that poor man who blew himself up in front of that building on christmas day on the 25th of december why who cares right that's like a supernova 
It's a supernova. <laughs> supernova. Right. Um, unless if you can see that and right. it looks cool and or pretty. And so let's push the antithesis here, right? You're pushing the antithesis. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. saying if we're stardust, what does it matter if you blow up stardust with one star bumps into another star and blows them up? There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's no value in that. There's no value. There's no morality. And so it's constantly this pushing the antithesis is showing how these worldviews are bankrupt, right? Um, you, you know, where do you get uh, logic? Where do you get reason, right? You can't – those things don't come out of rocks, you know? Uh, did Stardust give birth to logic? You know, it's yeah. How can how can sentience? How can anything related to consciousness come from non-conscience right. to consciousness? Non-sentience. So well, it's science. It's science. <laughs> there right. you go. Hey, I have a white coat on. Yes, that's yeah. the religious. That is the re, that's the listen to the priest. Yes, exactly. Listen to the priest. Don't question the. Don't priest. you dare question the dogma, which is a it's settled science. It's the science. priest in the lab coat. Right. Read your horoscope. That's where you'll find truth. Yeah, why not astrology if stars are so cool? I exactly. Mean, and so they've basically replaced God's word with man's opinion, right? And that has become the ultimate authority. Um, and so... Which, hmm. again, is a uh, an amplification of or an application of, sorry to interrupt, but of uh, yeah, hath God really said, right? Absolutely. It always goes back to this attack right. on God and his word. So that's a good point, is that Satan himself came into the garden assuming or arguing for a position of neutrality, right? Did God really say? And when an unbeliever or when a believer steps into a place of I'm going to decide for myself, you are basically becoming um, – that neutral person. And that's exactly what happened with Eve. Um, Bonson, in Pushing the Antithesis, says this. He suggested, Satan, that she must remain neutral in order to decide who was right, God or Satan. Right? She did not accept God's word as authoritative and conclusive, but as a true neutralist, she determined for herself which option to take. Right? And so in the public school, in the public education system, you have now brought in basically teachings, teachings that do not accept God's word as authoritative and conclusive. And you're calling it a position of neutrality, but it's really a position of antichrist, like, like Daniel was saying. So let's talk briefly about where this myth of neutrality comes from. Right. How did we get here? Right. Um, you know, and it basically has its roots in evolution and what they call deconstructionism, which is a complicated new philosophy um, that basically deconstructs everything. Right. That asserts that language refers only to itself rather to an external reality. Right. Um, and, and yet, who's, destruct, who's, who's deconstructing deconstructionism? I mean, right. I, I don't want the I don't want the listeners to get tired of this, but it's self-referentially absurd again. Ab absolutely. And evolution, 
in the same sense. So evolution basically teaches that things are in constant flux, right? Evolutionary theory resists stability, right, and certainty, which are demanded in the biblical outlook, right? And so these are the two things that kind of form the foundation for what what's called neutrality and what's called doubt. They are kind of two sides of the same coin. And so in the last few minutes here, we're kind of running close to the end here, I want to just kind of document some evidence and push the antithesis and with some examples from some old-school philosophers. And I'm going to quote them, and then I want you guys to just kind of push the antithesis and show the the listeners really simply how to deconstruct these absurdities. Um, they sound smart, but show people how you can deconstruct them quickly. David Hume, right? He said, nothing can be more unphilosophical than to be positive or dogmatical on any subject. Is he positive and dogmatic about that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Nothing could be more unphilosophical, right? <laughs> to be positive about something. And he's making this statement with Absurd- a lot of dogmatism. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, William Hazlitt, 1778 to 1830. The great difficulty in philosophy is to come to every question with a mind fresh and unshackled by former theories. Is he shackled by that current theory? Right. So we should take theoretically. This, we should take this theory and then <laughs> like that. use that to look at all other theories. Um, Oliver Wendell Holmes: To have doubted one's own first principles is the mark of a civilized man. I doubt that. <laughs> doubt. There you go. <laughs> right. Are you, are you doubting that first principle? Right. Or are you not doubting? Yeah, are you in right. an uncivilized manner not doubting yeah, that? Yeah, can I doubt that? What if I were to doubt that principle and then, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's absurd, right? And they, and, they, and they say these things as if they're, they're smart and wise, right? Um, in philosophical discussion, the merest hint of dogmatic certainty as to finality of statement is an exhibition of folly. Certainly. Is he certain about that? I think he's certain. Yeah, he sounds pretty certain. certain. So the idea is this, you guys. Listen. They say to have any dogmatic certainty is an exhibition of folly, yet they're making these statements with dogmatically certainty. and with certainty. So they themselves would be an exhibition of folly. And it's absurd. Professing right? themselves to be wise, they became fools. They became fools. Absolutely. And so one of my – and so this is how we push the antithesis. And I want listeners to learn how to do this, whether you're watching a newscast, whether you're reading an article, whether you're talking to a friend or a family member, and, they're, and they say these sorts of things, right? Just apply their own standards to themselves. And oftentimes, if they're coming from an unbiblical worldview – you'll find that their own standard is the best refutation of the argument that they're making, right? And so I think we're pretty close to wrapping up, about 15 seconds. Um, you guys want any last words for our listeners? Yeah, just believe the truth and share the truth. Speak the truth, right? Amen. Speak about God and love God and have faith in God. 
Amen. Amen. Stand firm on the word of God. You guys, um, you can trust his word. You can take it to the bank. It is authoritative and it is true. Uh, this is Jason Gallagher with the Apologetics.com radio show signing off. And thanks, Jared. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you. you See it. you all next Friday. God bless. <laughs>